Everybody, welcome in. This is episode 206 of Living Off the Land. A little bit of a different uh, feel this week as we uh, are doing a delayed episode. Uh, just wrapped up the Cavs-Hawks play-in game, so we are a little bit subdued right now. As uh, Yeah, no, that's definitely an understatement. Cavs, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm the, f- boiling over with fl- frustration right now. Seriously. So... Steve actually is not subdued. Subdued. No, he's very fiery right I'm now. I'm like ready to fight somebody right now. This is this this is <laughs> well, injustice on a whole bunch of levels, and we're going to get into it right away. Well, you got a little you got a little bit frustrated with me when when I essentially I can't remember when it was. I think it was uh, beginning of the fourth quarter. I I basically said the game was over. Yeah, pretty much. Well, no, I mean, and you pretty much said that this exactly how this game was going to go out. That Trey Young was going to have a great second half, and he did. And well, we didn't count on the Cavs being completely stagnant on offense like they were in the second half. It's terrible to watch. Yeah. So anyway, um, I just you know it, it's a it's a big night for the city. Big night uh, for the city of Cleveland. We had the Guardians home opener, and the Cavaliers uh, play-in game against the Hawks, basically going on at the same time uh, in downtown Cleveland. Can't remember. A night similar to this, maybe you got to go back to 2016 when the World Series was going on, and then the Cavs had ring night uh, at the same time in uh, October of 2016 after winning the uh, the NBA championship. So this was a very big night for the city, and uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, we got two losses because uh, we're not going to touch we're not going to touch a lot on the Guardians tonight, but uh, they did not. Uh, the they bats did, didn't come back. Yeah, the they, they 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 left the bats in uh, Cincinnati. So uh, the Guardians lost four to one to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, really cool. You know, opening day is always it is always great. It was a little bit weird because opening day was at night. Um, that is very strange, and they got away with it because usually, you know, in night times in April in Cleveland are not very warm. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that they were playing the Giants tonight yeah. was also kind of strange interleague. You know, they're taking a big risk with, you know, rain out or snow out. Well, know? everything got all junked up because of the season being delayed two weeks because of the lockout. But, um, yeah, it was just a, it was just a weird feel, just a weird feel. Um, you know, playing playing a, a home game against the Giants, you know, it had like a like a July feel to it, not 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 being of April. Yeah. And they lucked out because the weather was so freaking nice today. Won't but, be tomorrow. Uh, no, it will not. But uh, let's get back to the Cavaliers. Um, man, I'll tell you what. That first half, did that not feel like LeBron-era playoff atmosphere? I'll say that. i got to say this. When the Cavaliers are good and we're playing playoff-type basketball, you know, I know everybody likes to hype up the Warriors at Oracle and all that. I don't think there's a better atmosphere in the NBA than – Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse when the Cavs are in the playoffs. I mean, that's the only one that's even in the conversation is is, is the Warriors. I yeah. Mean, and that's even before the Splash Brothers era. I remember when they knocked out Dallas in a series in 2007. That, yeah, that the, arena the, was just ridiculous. The the Believe but, team when they when they beat Dallas, yeah. Right. But, like, every single playoff series we have had in LeBron 1.0, LeBron 2.0, 
that arena is just electric. It's just a different feel. It's a different yeah. vibe, and people are just turned up, and it's just it's awesome. And yeah. this is part of the reason why I'm so upset right now because the Cavaliers finished eighth. And because of a blatant money grab born from a viral worldwide viral pandemic, the NBA has now denied the Cavaliers the chance to go to the playoffs this year. And oh, because because the, the play-in thing, right? Like because this this stupid play-in tournament that they have now. Honestly, anything with the words "play-in" or "wild card" in it, I'm not in favor of. Well, I also, don't like the way baseball does the the play-in or the, does the wild card, the one game and out. I don't like this whole. Uh, play in tournament that the NBA does. It's just well. Here, here, it's, it's here's penal. Here's my thing on it. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of flip flopping as we go along here because uh, later when we actually get into the minutia of the game, uh, I'm going to blame the league and the officiating. But I'm not going to blame the league on the fact that the Cavs are in the play in tournament. That's their own damn fault. They went two and five in the month of April. They lost to the Orlando Magic in April. They had a chance to uh, get the tiebreaker and the season series win and uh, finish above Toronto, but they lost to Toronto. They have, they have themselves to blame. You cannot go 2-5 and five in April and have one of those five losses be against the Orlando Magic. You know, it's pretty hard to refute that. I mean, really, the only, thing I, damn can, the only thing I can say to refute that is injuries. I well, feel like... I mean, if you would have had a healthy Evan Mobley and Jared Allen during that stretch, I'll give you. I'll give I find it, it hard to believe the Cavs would have played that poorly. I'll give you that with Toronto. There's no excuse to losing to Orlando. There's none. I don't. I don't care if Mobley and Allen are out. There's none. And that game there's wasn't the no fluke excuse. either because the Cavs nearly lost to Orlando at home two yeah, weeks there's prior. There's no excuse to losing to Orlando, even if it's in Orlando. No excuse. But anyway, we're not going to lament the regular season. Uh, let's talk about the game tonight. Um, you know, it was almost a complete opposite of the game against Brooklyn the other night. Uh, the game against Brooklyn, the Cavs came out, and they looked like they were going to get just just blown off the floor. It was 40-20 to 20 at the end of the first quarter. Uh, Kyrie Irving made his first 12 shots in the game. And they just, they just the first half, they, they looked like they didn't have any business being on the floor with the, with the Nets. Now, I'll give them credit. They fought like hell in the second half and nearly brought that game to within one possession with a chance to win it, but they weren't able to get it done. You know, they got close, and then some guy named Kevin Durant hit a couple shots. So they ended up in the 8-9 matchup uh, with the Hawks, which I think we, once the play-in tournament was set, you probably could have guessed that that's what was going to happen. Yeah, the Cavaliers had very little shot in that 7-8 game, playing on yeah. the road against a Brooklyn team that, as you've pointed out many times, has and again, played extremely well down the stretch. The Cavaliers have not. Again, I, another thing, if we don't lose that game to the Magic, we're probably still in the playing tournament, but that game against Brooklyn would have been a home game. Do you think that would have mattered? Well, we beat Brooklyn at home in the regular season, so I don't know. I'd like to think it would have mattered, but based on what we saw tonight, probably not. Well, that's true, but uh, yeah, I don't know. But it is what it is. We were the eight seed, had to play. Had to play. He, uh, I almost said Toronto and then Houston. What the hell am I? We had to play the Hawks for a right to go to Miami to play the Heat in the first round of the playoffs. And like you said, the playing tournament, yeah, that kind of screwed us because we finished as the eight seed, and in a nor any normal year, that would have been 
good enough for us to actually make the playoffs instead of this cockamamie playing tournament, which I agree. I also hate. I just don't – I'm not going to blame the NBA for the fact that we were in it and uh, the fact that we couldn't beat the Hawks tonight. It does suck, though. But what I will do is I will blame the the, the NBA for having absolutely abhorrent officiating. I haven't seen – and maybe I haven't watched the Kevin Lewis closely enough this season, but – I can't recall a game officiated as poorly as the one we saw tonight. The Cavs haven't gotten calls all year, but tonight was just another batch of just craziness. I mean, they were calling carry. Like, like, okay, was it probably a carry? Yes. Do they ever call carries? Do they ever call carries in a playoff scenario? No. We were getting carries called against us. And then that stupid – I, I, I that – that foul on the screen uh, with the Darius Garland made three, I think, turned the entire game. It may very well have. I mean, it, it, it took three points off it's the a, board. It's an, it's at an a time absolute, when Atlanta was coming back. It's an quarter. absolutely horrendous rule in the NBA. Like, just because he, like, we all know that Darius Garland was going to take that shot. We all know that. The fact that, oh, because he didn't shoot it by the time that the foul had occurred means that it doesn't count is one of the most absurd things ever. So basically, if you understand the rule correctly, if you see a guy who's about to shoot a wide-open three, just deck the guy that's in front of you, and they won't count it. Like, I, I just don't understand, like, some of this stuff. I don't get it. And it was just time after time after time after time that we were just getting screwed on these calls. And I'm not one to blame officiating, especially in the NBA. There's enough stuff that goes on back and forth that generally you usually can't blame the officiating. But the officiating was not good tonight. And it was pretty one-sided, especially especially in that third quarter. And that's when that's when Atlanta made their run. Um, I did not like the fact that we only had a 10-point lead at halftime, given the way that the game had been going at that point. So I certainly had an uneasy feeling at halftime, even though we were up 10. And, uh, yeah, I just, man, the way that we had been playing and the fact that Trey Young had not gotten off yet, the fact that we only had a 10-point lead is, mm, man, I did not feel good about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you said at the time that that was, it was really bothering you, and I was, I was actually a little bit dismissive of it because, quite frankly, I thought, well, Trey Young wasn't shooting well in the first half. He was not going to shoot that great in the second half either. And apparently, J.B. Bickerstaff must have thought the same thing because the the Cavaliers continued to play in exactly the same way in the second half. And that's another guy from the from the minute he bombed the first three in from 28, 29 feet. That should have been a clue that something had to change defensively. Certainly yeah, I mean, by the time the second one went in, and yet they still continue to do this thing that you pointed out where. They they continued to switch um, on on the screen at the top of the key and which put most of the time Laurie Markin in on Trey Young which was just a total mismatch. JB Bickerstaff quite possibly had his worst night coaching in his NBA career tonight and it couldn't possibly have come at the worst time. And to get back to Trey Young, he's a guy like Steph and that all all that guy needs to see he just needs to see one go in and if it's like a like you said like a twenty eight footer like that and that goes in, I. 
you're better off like just praying praying to God that he just doesn't get white hot rather than just trying to guard him from out there because it's just it, it's going to be a long night the rest of the night and it proved to be that way because he scored 32 points in the in the second half. And, Unbelievable. And, you know, th- there's two ways you could go with the story. You could say that that was it was one of the main reasons the Cavaliers lost the game. I would say another main reason is the fact that, and again, a lot of this is on J.B. Bickerstaff again, Darius Garland did not have much of a game tonight. He was 9 of 27 from the field. It seemed like he was having to work extremely hard to get open looks. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm, I'm Many not gonna times in the second half, the Cavs' offense was totally stagnant off the ball. Garland's having to dribble around two and three guys just to even find anyone. You know, it was. I don't know if that was just an indictment of a game plan to try to go a lot of dribble iso, but it you just— know, it we're, didn't work. We're recording this now, probably when JB Bickerstaff is giving his post game press conference. But if 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 a reporter doesn't ask him why Rajon Rondo and Isaac Okoro probably played 15 minutes together on the court at the same time, uh, they're not doing their job because you could make an argument that that those rotations cost the Cavs the game. One every single time. I don't think the Cavs had one good offensive possession when those two guys were on the floor together. Those two guys were on the floor together from the twelve-minute mark to about the seven-minute mark of the fourth quarter. Cavaliers had two points and they had zero field goals during that time. Yeah, I mean crippling. I mean Darius Garland was nine of twenty-seven from the floor, but when you're playing three of when you're playing three versus five offensively, I mean how. He was being guarded, and then the guys that were guarding Rondo and Okoro were shading to him, and because they know that they're gonna let Okoro and Rondo shoot a shoot a jump shot if they get the ball. If Garland, they're 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 begging Garland to pass it to those two guys, begging. So, and, and Garland understood that. That that's the reason why Garland took almost thirty shots tonight. He understood that, so he tried to go get his own. And I mean. I, Darius Garland's fantastic, but when you you're playing three v five on offense, you're not going to score very many points. No, you're just you're not. not. Thank God for Markinen. We might have scored only eighty points tonight if it wasn't for him just training. Yeah, he was threes. definitely the Cavs player in the game tonight. He and was, also, he was fabulous. Why did Kevin Love not play in the second half? I was just going to ask that question. Kevin Love did not play the entire second half of this game. That is, he in, played. That is inexplicable. That is just incomprehensible to he me. He played 10 minutes and took two shots. Why? Why did he play 10 minutes? JB, what is going on? And the other thing about that is, is not only is Kevin Love one of your, you know, key guys, he's one of the guys that was, you know, he's one of the few guys, maybe the only guy actually, who was around the last time the Cavaliers were in the playoffs. Yeah. So, like, in a pressure situation like this where it's winner to go home, there's two why guys, is he not in? There's two guys. That, Rajon Rondo, the other one, yes. There's two guys that played. Even though he wasn't with There's the two guys that played on the Cavs that played in the last time they were in the NBA Finals. Kevin Love played 10 minutes. Jetty Osmond didn't even play in the game. Jet, now, Jetty Osmond, I get it. If he doesn't play, that's, you know, whatever. But Kevin Love has to play more than 10 minutes in an base. It's technically not a playoff game, but it's a, it's a playoff game atmosphere. He's got to play. He has to. Like, I want to know the explanation because it is it because he's a defensive liability 
that doesn't matter because the only guy that was going off was Trey Young, and Kevin Love is not going to be on. Well, I take that back because the way JB was switching every single pick every single time, Kevin Love probably would have been on Trey Young. I, but guess what? It would have been the same result because Laurie Marketing couldn't defend him either. Yeah, I, so I, I don't. I don't. It's mind blowing. I don't. It's I don't a terrible understand. explanation, but that must be the explanation that he was going to play Kevin Love in the Laurie Marketing role on defense. And he thought that that was even worse than having Markkinen out there. But Maybe because like, Markkinen had the hot hand and, and he didn't want to take him out. The thing that bothered me was it, it, it's clear that JB was sacrificing offense for defense in this game. The problem is there was nobody who was getting off, especially in the second half, than Trey Young. So why not put a little more offensive punch in there? Why not take out a Coro and put love in there or or you know take out uh you know I don't know I just I just know Kevin Love needed to play a lot more minutes than he did tonight and I I'm just befuddled to be honest with you I'm absolutely befuddled with with the game plan the offensive game plan the defensive game plan I I I I I don't think JB could have coached or planned this game any worse than he did, ultimately. I don't think you were in any way, shape, or form incorrect about that. It was just... It was just, just bad. It was just really bad. I. Oh. Not as bad as that flagrant foul non-call oh against Devin Mobley. Oh, my God. Since Which when one is a gra- I mean, I know, I know you're talking about the first one, since, but since when is getting grabbed up in the head and neck region from behind not a flagrant foul in the NBA? Right, and I know what we were talking about, thinking like maybe they didn't call it because Capella ended up getting hurt on the play, but that's complete BS. Uh, a that was ancillary a flagrant. to the initial that's, play. That's 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 Capella's fault for dragging him down by his shoulders and and having him fall into his knee, right. like. Why are you going to bail Capella out just because he did? If he, I don't understand. That was a textbook flagrant foul. He made no attempt on the ball, at all, and it was an it was unnecessary contact to the head, neck, or shoulder area. This was a play that even had LeBron James talking because he even yeah, went on LeBron Twitter tweeted just a few about minutes it. after afterwards saying that this is why we get so frustrated with the officials because we don't know what a flagrant foul is. Yeah. Now. And it's just weird because usually they over-officiate flagrant fouls. Like, usually if it's anywhere close to being questionable, usually it gets called. This Why was right, wasn't it called in this situation? This I don't, was right before the half. That was a play that could have given the Cavaliers two or three more points, depending on whether they would have scored on the extra possession. Then you had the play in the third quarter we briefly touched on earlier where a um, guy from Atlanta just pushes right through a screen on the, uh, the three-pointer that Darius Garland makes, and they take it off the board because they deemed the three to be after the initial contact, yeah. which they if, didn't you, grant if, him you, if you actually watched it, the referee's arm didn't go up to signal yeah. the foul until the ball was already in the air. Right. So, like, they are over-legislating the way that the call is made based on the fact that they were able to go back and yeah. video review that, Absolutely. which I have a big problem with that. Yeah. They really have to continue to call it as though it's happening in real time. Right, and especially because like when you do these replays, you go back and you look at it in slow motion. Like, it, like if you're looking for something that's that's uh, subjective, where it's like, okay, did he step out of bounds or who touched the ball last? Yeah, slow it down, 
and see and find. But when you do something like that, where it's it's like it's judgment call, it's you know you you wait to see the ref is he going to call it? Uh, does the contact occur? You know it's it's just too much, too much. Like you said, over officiating. You know, this one actually had Bill Simmons talking. You know, we'll go back to the Twitter board here. He says, okay, so if you can't get out to the corner to uh, adequately guard against a three-point shot, just ram your way through the nearest player on your yeah, way there. Yeah, I, I, I talked and, about it and, earlier. And they'll take the shot off the board. It's just, I mean. It's like if, if, you, if you know the rules, like you do that every time now. If you see a guy's about to get a wide-open three, just shove the guy that's just in front of you. Just grab the guy that's next to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, God. And this doesn't doesn't even mention the four or five other really back. I One that I recall was, call. When, was when, you know, Trey Young. Now, this play actually was a foul when Trey Young beat his man and he was driving in for a layup on the right-hand side. And he was hit on the, the off arm, I believe, by Isaac Okoro. And... The ball just kind of hung on the rim and it fell oh, off yeah. after two seconds. And then two, and only, two that's generous maybe, to the refs. Maybe, that maybe was, three. And yeah. then and only then did they call the foul, which NBA referees have been doing this for years and years and years since pretty much ever right. since I remember right. watching the game. They do this thing where like if there's contact, they wait to see if the ball goes in, and then if it doesn't go in, then and only then do they call the foul. And that just drives me up a friggin' wall. Yep, a foul because admittedly it was a foul. Admittedly. That play was a foul. It yes. was a foul. But it it's like he didn't want to call it and then he's like, "Oh, well, he missed the free throw. He he missed the layup, so I guess I got to call it." Yeah. Like a foul is a foul is a foul. Call it. Just call it. None of this nonsense of waiting to see if he makes the shot. Just call it. It it it, it it's just it just go, goes back to the, like, what is a flagrant or what is a foul? Like, like another thing that frustrates me, and this happens in pretty much every sport, it's like, oh, well, uh, you know, you can't call that that late in the game. Like, what does that mean? You can call it in the first quarter, but you can't call it in the fourth quarter? What is that? That's like saying the strike zone is different based on which umpire is calling balls and strikes. Yeah. You know, you, you, you can't be subjective like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, all in all, tough loss. And, you know, I tweeted this from our show account. This was such a promising season. Better than any of us could ever have projected. But, man, this team limped to the end. Literally and figuratively. And that is just super frustrating. Not on the team. I'm not blaming the team. I'm not blaming the players. They gave 100% effort, and they deserve to be commended for how good of a season they had. But, boy, you know, Feb- I think it was February 1st, we were one game out of the one seed in the East. Yeah. The All-Star break, we were 35-23. and 23. Just before that, we were 35-21, and 21, which we is our up, high watermark of the year. We ended up not making the playoffs. We were talking about Kobe Altman being executive of the year. We were talking about J.B. Bickerstaff possibly being like, coach of the year. Like, I'm not going to say this Evan because, because the team the at year. that point <clears throat> and even at the end of the season winning 44 games and getting to where they were getting, they overachieved. But at the point that they were at, 35-21, and 21, 
just before the All-Star break. This has got to, even though a lot of it was because of injury and it wasn't because of the overall play. A lot of it. This is one of the worst choke jobs I've seen in a long time. Again, I think you know. Again, when I say that, I'm not trying to demean the team because, again, they overachieved. But the fact of the matter is, in the month of February, we were one game out of out of the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and we didn't make the playoffs. And the strangest thing that happened this season happened right out of the. It was in February. <coughs> happened right out of the All Star break. Darius Garland participated in the All Star festivities yeah. that weekend, and then he missed and then the three games. Somehow. He didn't play in the next three games. Yeah. And it, it was just that sort of... He missed a few games before the All-Star break and then missed the three games coming just, out of the All-Star break. That just continued to snowball. It then hit uh, Evan Mobley. It then hit Jared Allen. I mean, it, you, I mean, I don't care who you are. If you're talking about your three, four top guys basically getting... basically becoming non-factors because they're not on the court or the field... It's really hard to to win, and I mean that's just bottom line. I mean I I'm really making a lot of apologies for these guys. It seems like, but you have those three guys healthy through the last two months. I really doubt that you it would have finished like this. It probably would have had fifty wins. Quite frankly. Oh, you're 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 a hundred percent. That's part of the reason why I'm so frustrated tonight. You you're a hundred percent right. You're a hundred percent right. But it it also it has to be said we we went for, we in two in a two month stretch two-and-a-half-month stretch. We went from competing for the number one seed in the East to not even making the playoffs. They finished the season 9-17, and 9-19 and 19 if you include these two games. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and again, there were games in there that it doesn't matter who was injured. We had no business losing those games, like I said, with Orlando. And there were other games in there, too, that I just can't remember. In the big scheme of things, how significant is it, in your opinion, in terms of the future, that the Cavaliers are not playing in this first round series this coming week. Do you, do you feel like it's not a big deal because the Cavs were not going to win the title anyway, or is this perhaps a real setback for the organization? I don't think it's a. I mean, obviously, it's it's disappointing. It's tough. I don't necessarily think it's a it's a setback for the organization. Like, I don't think they set themselves back like a year or two because they didn't make the playoffs this year because nobody thought we were going to make the playoffs this year anyway. I mean, yeah, would you like them to get in there and get the experience? Because like, like we just lamented, the only there's only basic there's less than a handful of guys on this roster, and who knows what the roster is going to look like next year. But there's less than a handful of guys on this roster that has legitimate playoff experience. So yeah, it would have been it would have been great to uh, get in there and actually play a seven game series against you know a Miami Heat team that you know is the number one, number one seed. Would we maybe lose four games to one in that series? Possibly, but it would have been good good uh, learning experience. I, I I think I think what happened to them down down the uh, down the stretch and into the playing tournament I think could actually be a motivating factor for this team going into next year. I mean I think you're gonna look at guys like Darius Garland and Jared Allen. You know Jared Allen especially because he he essentially had the stretch run of the season taken away from him by a fluke finger injury. So I think those guys, and those are your really your two leaders on the team, is Garland and and Allen. Mobley is, you know, he's very young, he's very soft spoken. You know, he's not going to be much of a vocal leader at least at this point in his career. But I think those guys are going to be super motivated, and 
you know, we don't exactly know what's going to happen with Colin Sexton, but let's just say that he's coming back. You don't think that guy with his attitude is going to be incredibly motivated being injured the entire season and looking what the team accomplished without him and saying, like, oh, if we had me on that team, oh, you, you're you're damn well sure we're not in that playing tournament. We're in the playoffs. So, I don't know. It's going to be – it. here's what I'll say. It's going to be up to them. Are they going to use this as a springboard and a motivator going into next season? Or are they going to have the mindset of, well, we overachieved. We were, we were better than everybody thought we were going to be. So, let's just roll it back and run it back next year. And a lot of that has to do – and a lot of that is up to – Kobe Altman and the the front office and how they're going to tweak this roster because they need a couple more shooters. There needs to be a serious conversation about Isaac Okoro. What is he? Right? Because if he's a, if he's a defensive guy, which he is, he has to develop a, a jump shot. You can you cannot be in this league anymore and play one side of the ball. You can't. Especially if you're just a defensive guy. He has to develop a jump shot, especially playing shooting guard. He has to develop a jump shot. There was a guy on the Cavs who played the same position as Isaac Okoro who, going back to the LeBron 1.0 era, is almost like a complete mirror image, and that's Ira Newble. <laughs> he's he's more or less the same guy as that. Well, that's pretty sad because we drafted Isaac Okoro fifth overall in the draft. So as, as good of a job as Kobe Altman has done over the last couple years in drafting – and again, that draft with Isaac Okoro two years ago is not great. There's not a single all-star from that draft. But if you drafted a guy that can't, as a shooting guard, can't score 10 points a game, I mean, what are we doing? It's just a misfire, honestly. If that, if that, if and he I mean, had, he it. has, and he has his nights where he hits three to four threes, you know, from the corner when nobody's even looking at him. And everybody's and it's great. It's fantastic. The problem is, is he does that like once a month. If you're gonna be great at defense, I don't even need you to handle the ball at all. Just stand in the corner and make a three in the corner consistently. You know, you made another... You know, you know who he could be like? You know, you you mentioned I renewable later in his career. You know who I want him to pattern his game after? Is Shane Battier. Okay. Shane yeah. Battier was a fantastic defensive player that had no offensive game whatsoever. And later in his career, like you saw him when he was with like Miami, he would just sit in the corner and LeBron would find him and it'd be like a layup. A three from the corner. That's that's what Isaac Okoro has to become as a Shane Battier type guy. He has to develop a jump shot or else I don't think he's going to be in the league very long. Probably not. And you're the fifth overall pick. You have to. The The NBA is not the way it was 15, 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. It, back then, you could you could just be a defensive stalwart and you could just play. And you could play 30, 35 minutes a night. The league has changed so much that, you know, teams can just fill it up at any time that those guys, you know, the Shane Batty, well, Shane Batty was a good, good example, but, like, your guys like the Bruce Bowens, you know, that used to play, you know, the um, – Chauncey Billups, even though Chauncey Billups was a good shooter as well, you know, guys like that are are not super successful in the league nowadays. It's like you have to be a two way player if you're going to be effective. Yeah, you know, and I mean, we just saw it tonight. Like some of the shots that Trey Young was hitting in the second half, 
There oh, wasn't a I mean, player in the whole league 15 years ago that was making shots like that. Yeah, I mean he turned he turned into he turned into the only other guy that that can do that in the league today, and that's Steph Curry. Nobody else in the NBA does that. I mean, still nobody does that. It's it's him and Steph, and and you know Steph does that all the time. Trey Young is like he gets hot and cold with that sort of stuff. That's why he's not a Steph Curry level player, but he's like he's like just underneath. Because he can get hot like that, and he can score 30 points and a half by hitting threes from 30 feet out. You can't defend that. Because no, what ha- you can't. Because what happens if you go out to the logo where he's where he's pump faking and jacking up, he's just going to go right by you. Right. It's impossible to guard somebody no, if you can make right. them that far. Right. And that's why Steph is so good, because Steph can shoot 40% from the logo. You know, and so can Clay Thompson, which is yeah. which is the reason why you said that the Hawks are not as good as Warriors because they had two of those guys that could do it. Yeah. Um, so it's it, but it's, it's just tough. And just, I'll, I'll say this: we we uh, um, uh, we talked about it after the game. A uh, a very good silver lining about this is the Cavs get to keep their first round pick now. Yeah, because it was lottery protected. So because they lost yep. this game, and lottery protected in the, instead of fifteenth. Lottery protected the in the Rubio uh, uh, Levert trade, so the Cavs now are going to have a first round pick. I I know we would all rather be playing in the playoffs next week, but you know if there's a silver lining, a little bit of a you know, um, a little bit of a positive is that we get a first round pick to add another young piece to this rising core. I, that about sums it up right there. You, what actually, you just did. You actually <laughs> compared Karis Levert to Larry Hughes in this oh, game tonight, God. and I unfortunately, I, well, in terms of his offensive output, I could probably agree with that. Hughes is a much better defender than Levert is, and that's an unfortunate thing because there was one there was one sequence where Karis played really good defense tonight, and that was on that that was on that Gallinari uh, sequence yeah. when they were fighting for position, and then Gallinari got the ball farther out than he would have liked, mm-hmm. tried to back Levert in, and. Lavert did a really good job of not giving any ground and forced Gallinari to uh, shoot a uh, uh, turnaround fadeaway jumper off of one foot, and there's only one guy in NBA history that can make that, and his name's Dirk Nowitzki. Hmm. And as much as I love my Italian Milanista Danilo Gallinari, who was an AC Milan fan, uh, y- you can't hit that shot guy. You know, to, to circle back to my own question from earlier – I don't think there's any reason to fret about the Cavaliers' future. Again, you have all these good guys, young guys. You know, Darius Garland didn't play well tonight, and maybe because, you know, you could say, well, our superstar didn't play as well as theirs. That's mm. why we lost the game. He's going he's gonna to grow and mature from this experience. Evan sure. Mobley, Colin Sexton, these are the, Jared Allen, these other guys, they're not going anywhere for a while. Like you said, they're going to be motivated off of this. I think the where I'm sort of unhappy about how this has all gone down is because, again, because of the injuries and because of the, the poor form the Cavaliers have been in. If you look at the Eastern Conference field, this is about as evenly balanced as you'll ever see it, one through eight. I mean, look at this. Is there really a big discernible difference between you know your one and two, Miami and Boston, and your seven and eight, Brooklyn and Atlanta? I, I could, you know... No, not really. I sort of dismissed this earlier, but... I wouldn't be floored if both the seven and the eight won in round one. I, it's if, crazy. If sports betting in Ohio was legal, I'd be putting money on Brooklyn to beat Boston in the first yeah, round. I mean, I could see that. I could even, you know, I, it's it's less likely I think that Atlanta would beat Miami. But Trey Young comes out shooting like he did tonight. 
for much of the series. Who knows? I mean, yeah, I Atlanta mean, was a conference finalist a year Mi- ago. Miami's got it. Miami's a good team, but they've got to be one of the weakest number one seeds. I mean, they only won fifty four games. The only the only number one seeds that I can remember that's probably weaker, and it's it it's just because they ran into LeBron. Were were the Atlanta Hawks? Mm-hmm. And in the second LeBron run, I think it was 2015 and yeah, 16. Maybe. They won a whole. Well, let's see here. Was it 16 and 17? 14, fif- no. 14, 15. The Hawks were the number one seed. Yeah. The Cavs swept them in four games. Yep. In the conference final. The next year after that, Toronto was the one seed. Yep. The Cavaliers trucked them when they played yep. them too. LeBronto. So, yep. you know, and, you know, Poor Dwayne Casey finally gets fired for that, and then the next year the Raptors win the top. Well, actually, no, that was 2018. I was thinking of the Raptors were the top seed. And then the Cavaliers get, won. And the then, Raptors uh, then go win the title the next year after he gets fired. Yeah. You know? what, what's Dwayne Casey's uh, consolation for uh, getting fired from the Raptors? Uh, he gets to go coach the Pistons. Probably gonna get fired from that job. That's a ha- that's too. a hashtag FML moment right there. Yeah. So and and to to bring it all in the bow, we just started talking about LeBron. Um, you know, we say it over and over and over again. The fans in this in this town are unbelievable. I mean, they're it, the biggest was, losers here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we that was an NBA Finals level crowd tonight, and I think, and I think the the team or the the fans treated it like it was Game Seven of the NBA Finals. Unfortunately. Our coach did not treat it like it was Game 7 of the NBA Finals. At all. At all. It's baffling, man. I it's re- It was really bad. The defensive rotations, the reluctance to... to uh, or not the defensive... Well, yeah, the defensive rotations, but then the, the lineup rotations, the reluctance to... It's like he wrote down his game plan, and it didn't matter what was going on in the game. He was not going to deviate for what he had written down. And, you know, I often say this. When shooters come out early in the game and they're they're hot and they're firing, mm-hmm. they'll just continue to shoot the rest of the game indiscriminately, yeah. even though they start getting cold in the second half. I think that this may have been that sort of a situation for J.B. Bickerstaff. Because he saw how well the game plan was working in the first half, in the first 20 minutes of the game. And he didn't want to change yeah, I mean, after that, even when the game started going bad. It's weird, though, because, you know, I go back to my uneasy feeling at the end of the first half. It's like, yeah, it was working so well, but somehow we were only up by 10 points. Yeah. And I said it at halftime, and I said it going into the third quarter. I'm like, Trey Young's going to get hot. And we made no adjustments Boy, whatsoever. Boy, was that poignant. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even you um, probably didn't think he was going to get as hot as I don't he did. To, I don't mean to toot my own horn there, but yeah. Well, I mean, it, I mean, I probably would have slapped you if you would have said, "Well, he's going to have thirty-two points in the but, second half." But the thing is, like, I, yeah, I probably didn't think he was going to get that hot because I thought, you know, after maybe he hit a couple shots, maybe the Cavs would adjust. Yeah. They didn't adjust at all the second half. Every single time down the floor, whoever Markinen was guarding was going up and setting a pick for whoever was guarding Trey Young, and they just switched every time. Was the game plan to let Trey Young have his and just shut down everybody else? Well, if it was, it didn't work. Didn't work because they didn't score enough offensively, to be right. fair. That's true. It's but... not like, I mean, Trey Young was amazing, but it's not like the Hawks were just, like, 
shooting the lights out in the second half as a team. Well, he was, and that's all that mattered. You know, yeah, because the Cavs only scored 38 points it in the got, second half. Yeah, well, it ended up being 40, but we got two garbage points at the end because we scored 101. Mm. But yeah, your 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 point your point remains. I mean, you can't score you can't score you can't score forty points. It's, and a half. it's a chicken and the egg debate, really. Right. And yeah, I just and we're going around in circles just talking about it. And we're hitting the same points over and over again. So we'll yeah. probably just we'll probably just put a bow on this right now. Um, it was a really good season from the Cavs. I had a ton of fun watching this team. It's just injuries and you know this as well as this team played. This roster is still flawed. We don't have enough shooting on this roster, and we don't have good enough. See, we have the we have the as John Lucas would say, we got the bigs. We got the bigs. You know, we've got the three seven footers in our starting lineup. The problem is, is the other two guys. And I love Darius Garland. He's going to be a superstar in this league. He's barely six feet tall, and he's liability on defense. And then our shooting guard can't shoot. This, the roster is very imbalanced. We don't have odd situation. We don't have enough shooting. We need we need a bona fide wing player. We need a bona fide small forward. You know, it's just we just we got we got they've got some work to do. And in those the are going to be decisions that Kobe Altman is yeah. going to have to make in the offseason. Sure. Well, I mean, and what are you going to do with Colin Sexton? Are you going to pay him? Are you going to trade him? I don't know. What are you going to do? So. But that's all for, you know, we'll talk about that in the months to come. This is a really good season from the Cavaliers. Um, they made the city proud for sure. It's just unfortunate, and it, it, it hurts the way the season finished down the stretch. It really did. What was more difficult, this show or the show we did at the end of the Brown season? Oh, at the end of the Brown season for sure. It's, Probably because – of the expectations going in. That's exactly the Browns were it. supposed to be good. The That's Cavaliers exactly were not supposed to be it. good. Exactly it. You can hang your hat on the fact that the Cavs still outrageously overachieved in the grand scheme the of things. The Cavs had a, had a better season than the Browns did in, in there pretty was, much every objective metric. There was nothing enjoyable about the Browns' season last year. Nothing. Aside from maybe going 3-1 and one in September, but... You know, again, same. It was I mean, almost the same story with the Browns as the Cavs. You know? I mean, What's... the only thing that was enjoyable about the season is the fact that we swept the the Bengals, and one and only one of those games were legitimate. But That's right. we got swept by the Steelers, and we only beat the Ravens because uh, Lamar Jackson got hurt early in that se- or in that game that we won against them. True. You know, not to go down that rabbit hole, but yes. it does it does seem like both of those teams. The future's right there for them to take it in both situations, both the Browns and the Cavaliers. And, you know, give me the eyes there. Um, but quite frankly, you know, yeah. it, it really just, again, the Browns, they took a, I'll, I'll go with this, the Browns have taken a take the bull by the horns kind of a strategy. They went balls of the wall. Oh, they I went see. out and got it the better, guy. It, be- and, it, and it said, better work. And said, we're going all in. And, you know, it Forgetting the player, you know, character issues behind it, but we'll see if the Cavaliers pursue a similar strategy. I don't think they will, given how young their core is. No. But you know, I think they're going to let this thing marinate and and well, just kind of come up organically. Well, I that's think what that, I would think. I think that's going it's going to be the right decision is to continue to let this grow organically because 
We saw what it did this year. And to be honest with you, they tried to take that that next step by making that trade for Karis LeVert, and it didn't work. Yeah, it backfired on them for sure. So, you know, you make a signing here or there, get a couple shooters that, you know, come and play in 15, 20 minutes a night off the bench that can shoot the lights out, and then maybe you get lucky at the back, hen- the back half of the lottery with a draft, you know. Milwaukee drafted Giannis and Nakumpo at 15. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs drafted Kawhi Leonard at 14. Like, those things can happen. Not to say that we need a Giannis or a Kawhi on this team. That would be great, you know, if a guy just fell on our lap. Yeah, right. Then winning tonight could or losing tonight could actually be a, the best yeah. thing that ever happened to us if yeah, that happens. for sure. <laughs> for sure. So – well, we'll put a bow on this. Um, appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this year, this year's Cavaliers. Uh, we did for sure. Uh, looking forward to next season. But uh, for us, we're going to switch switch gears over the summer. We got some uh, some new segments coming your way. We're going to dive into the Guardians a lot. Um, we'll talk more next week about the Guardies, and um, we will uh, see you guys next week. Hopefully, a uh, regularly scheduled program next week. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will catch you guys next week. So for Steven, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. See ya.